I'm Andrew. And I'm Alex. And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you're going to hear topics discussed. Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? I would like to plug my Pico 8 games that I make on the internet under the under the name of Kitten Master, um, spelled with the correct way, uh, with <laughs> with a with a four instead of an A. Uh, and you can all my games are free. You can uh, find them at uh, my NeoCities site, kittenmaster.neocities.org. Yeah, I started paying attention to you like as a person after playing Alfonso's Bowling Challenge, <laughs> yes, which I greatly enjoyed uh, and. Some of your other works are also very funny. Thank you, thank you. That is, I that is definitely has been a a highlight to have. Um, I think it was the video games hot dog podcast you talked about Alfonso's bowling challenge on there. Oh, sure. And it was really, uh, it was really fun to hear. And I think some other podcasts talked about it a little bit later. And I was like, wow, this is people really like this game. Yeah. <laughs> so you did it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you did it, and. Like that, the audience for that sort of game is also my audience. So, like, I'm the right person to talk about it. Yes, yeah, you did seem to really understand the vibe. Like, yeah, you the ethos of it. It it does seem to vibe with like the frog fractions type of thing, or you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounding like I need to play this game. <laughs> like notably, like uh, not to set our expectations too high. This is a game that was made in less than eight thousand tokens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Yes, it takes about 10 minutes to play through the whole thing. You, you can't get that in depth. <laughs> but yeah, like you're, I, uh, there was a talk you gave at one point talking about secrets or something. I think I saw this a long time ago, secrets in games. And I was like, yeah, I can really relate to that because I basically can't talk about any of this game without giving away the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really difficult. <laughs> so just go play it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and – <laughs> like a, a free game that you can play on the web is ideal for that, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Or trying that's... to make a career out of it is not <laughs> – right. that's the hard hard part. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's like the ideal game pitch, right? It's like, I can't tell you anything. Just go play it. Yeah. It is for me. I mean, that's how I am with movies. I don't like seeing the trailer. I just like – I want to watch the movie and know, knowing nothing about it. Uh, and Alex, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Sure. My name is Alex. Um, I will plug my Twitch channel. I stream video games over at twitch.tv slash games with my wife. And uh, you can come watch us play if you like. Cool. Are we ready for some topics? Yeah. Sure. Alex, your topic is the three food problem. What three foods are pairwise good but bad altogether? Yeah, I've been thinking about this for probably over a decade now. <laughs> so there's this idea, right, that some foods are good individually, but if you pair them together, they're bad. And so trying to extend that to uh, three foods right. where you have three foods and any two you pick are good if you combine them. But if you combine all three together, the result is like something gross. And it's very difficult to come up with three foods that satisfy this. And like, I've been thinking about this for so long. And I have kind of one sort of semi-satisfactory answer, I think. Yeah. But like, well, I don't know. It's so a tough one. Th part of the this premise is that all three pairs are good. Right. Yeah. That's a toughie. That is. It is. And I've posed this question to a lot of different people. And like, it's, you know, I've had people suggest chocolate and cheese and something because cheesecake is good. And like, I don't know, try to get the weird flavors to, yeah, to combine. I, th I think you like the way you approach this or the way I would approach this is by looking at flavors that are unintuitively good together. Mm -hmm. Like I discovered like a couple of years ago that like dark chocolate and bacon are actually incredible together. 
Really? Yeah. I was surprised as well. Huh. I have not tried this. <laughs> I was actually like, I was chewing this for like 45 seconds. I was like, is this good? <laughs> <laughs> and I eventually decided that it was. Yeah. So what food could you add to that to make it gross? Uh, broccoli. What do we have? We got we got bacon and broccoli. It's I mean, okay, broccoli. Like the problem with broccoli is that it just tastes like whatever you put it with. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about broccoli and chocolate though. Broccoli, and chocolate, <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> oh, at least it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like chocolate melted over broccoli has to be a dessert somewhere. <laughs> I guess I would try anything once. <laughs> I would certainly try that once. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm probably thinking of like the the, th- the thing where you melt cheese on top of broccoli. Sure. Yeah. Like fondue a, is good yes. no matter whether it's cheese or chocolate, right? Right. Uh, and the other non-intuitive food, I don't even know what this is paired with. Like, so mole is like chocolate and like gravy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Really? I've. Hmm. Yeah, it's like some kind of chocolate-based sauce. That's. Uh, Savory, I think. This this, this seemed like the, <laughs> the avenue to go down if you're gonna if you're gonna make such a you know groundbreaking discovery. You gotta you I gotta explore the the the, the combos that that most people don't know about. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the approach that I kind of took to trying to to break this down, and maybe this is cheating, but my three that I submit are hot water, <laughs> cold water, and espresso. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, so because a, lukewarm, yeah, a hot water with espresso is an americano. That's fine. Right. Cold water and espresso is a is like an iced americano. That's also fine. But a room temperature americano. Uh, but but then like lu- right. lukewarm water is lukewarm fine. Water, yeah. <laughs> yeah, room temperature water. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I would I would drink a room temperature americano. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> That's the best I could do. Yeah, that's my that's my closest that's my closest uh, solution. Wow, a valiant attempt at the very least. But yeah, wow. I, so still I, looking for a better one than that. So I've 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 been thinking for like fifteen seconds straight. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I just it's okay. You'll be thinking about it for years to come. If you're that's, that's, like me. that's right. Uh, wow. Yeah, I feel like this is going to take a really long. You time. You have to <laughs> guest on Topic Lords in twenty thirty three. Yeah, check in. Yeah, wow. episode six hundred and eighty or whatever it is. <laughs> We've got it. We've cracked it. Yeah, I want to know. I want to. I want to farm this out to the Topic Lords community. Yeah, there you go. There's a bunch of a bunch of foodies there. They really know their food stuff. We need to um, make some kind of algorithm to just brute force this. Mm. <laughs> Surely, <laughs> if we can figure out the monolith uh, puzzle. Oh yeah, fizz. just 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 plug it into Chat GPT and just still have. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I admittedly have not tried. Get enough GPUs together to figure it out. Right, yeah, yeah. Just turn this question into a... a <laughs> Folding at home. Yeah, yeah. Situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, okay. So I just looked for unexpectedly good flavor combinations. We've got olives and white chocolate. Oh. Which seems uh-huh. unlikely. Huh. Uh, salmon and licorice. And the the picture for what? that is like one of the most unappetizing <laughs> things I've ever seen. Is it like a fish being strangled by red vines? Like this is not just uh, – we can't just look this up on the internet. We have to actually try these combinations. Right. You got to you gotta be you – know, you got to invent some kind of GPU that's that's got food inside of it. That can taste. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the uh, – what's like the Turing test for whether a computer can taste things? Mm. 
avocado and coffee. Weird. Avocado, espresso, and lukewarm water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, but avocado and lukewarm water as a pair. (laughs) It's a a good point. Cinnamon and thyme. Okay, so what about foodstuffs where if you put all three together, they explode? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, interesting. Like bring a chemistry aspect in. Yeah, yeah. Like baking soda and vinegar and nitroglycerin. Yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. I think that's I think that's promising because chemistry kind of fundamentally changes things, right? So like that's I think that's a good avenue to pursue. And that would actually be something I know that I was reading someone claiming that uh, Chat GPT can do chemistry now. So like <laughs> you might even be able to ask it, what three foods if you put together put them together will explode in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> also, they have to be pairwise delicious. Thank yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if if you extend food to include all the elements on the periodic table, I'm sure you could uh you could get some kind of chemistry yeah, uh, I mean, response to this. What do you think? Does gallium have calories? <laughs> like all it means is that it it will heat water, right? Like it heats water a certain amount over a certain amount of time or something, something like that. Right. Although nutritional calories are different, right? They have to do with like how your body consumes those energy or converts that energy yeah i mean i I, i'm no i'm no biologist well me neither but i assume you can't digest a gallium i assume you're you're probably right uh are we ready for another topic (laughs) yeah for sure andrew your topic is talking loudly during movie trailers is an act of anti-capitalist subversion Yes. So um now so the the important question here is do you mean like in the theater or like in your living yes. room? In the theater. No, that's that's key. <laughs> okay. That is key. It's got to be in the theater or else it's not it's it's not it's not a it's not a public act of protest. No, it's a private uh-huh. act of protest and it only works <laughs> to, so that you like it, it's like la 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 I can't hear you and so you actually can't hear the ad. <laughs> right, exactly. To be clear, I'm not going to talk during the actual movie. But when the tra- – first of all, they're called trailers. Yeah. But they're – they go but in they're at the they front. They go in front. Yeah, they're going front of the movie. I know. That drives me crazy. So, <laughs> so first of all, they shouldn't even exist. Yeah. You need to like hand out dictionaries to everybody in the audience. <laughs> right. Why aren't they called headers if they're at the front? And secondly, like I was saying earlier, I cannot stand watching movie trailers – because like even if I want to see the movie, I don't want to see the trailer. Right. Yeah. Um. I want. I want to go in cold. You know, if I can. But it also just. <laughs> I think. I think it's just a fun thing to do to like because there's always there's always all of the uh, all of the taboo about like talking in the movie theater or whatever. Sure. But I guarantee you that nobody is there to like see the thirty minutes of trailers before the movies. They just like. I mean, maybe maybe it used to be true. Maybe it used to be the case. Like. 20 years ago or something, like when nobody had any other way to see movie trailers, you know, like, okay, I remember seeing some trailers that like, oh, it was actually cool. And I saw a movie that was interesting in a, in a movie theater and I learned yeah, about that's, it. That's a good point. Like, I, I know that I know that a lot of people would say that they, uh, they love watching tra- the movie trailers because they're thinking of like the nineties when yes, that was when you found out about nostalgia. when new movies <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, but now it's like the trailer comes to the internet immediately. You're not going to find out about a movie for the first time in a movie theater. <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm banking on the fact that nobody cares that. <laughs> but but then again, it's just slightly enough taboo that it becomes 
of a legitimate act of protest. Yeah, yeah. Someone's definitely going to be annoyed that you do this. <laughs> They're going to be annoyed because they identify as somebody who loves watching trailers, even though they've already seen this one on YouTube. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. But, you know, it's like, it's like um, you know you're going to have to shut up for the rest of the thing. So maybe part of it is just like it helps to, 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 to get the wiggles out, <laughs> to, to, uh, to just say <laughs> – just as my wife says to our son. Right, yes. <laughs> you, you, just, you know, you got to like make fun, heckle the trailers. And, you know, it's kind of like a it's like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 type of thing. You just like – if you can actively make fun of the content of the trailers, I think that's even better. Well, that's – okay. But if you're doing that, you're actually engaging with the content, which I feel like is <laughs> that's tr- antithetical to this whole idea. Like you – know, you, you do have a point. <laughs> you you want to be like – like true culture jamming would be like playing white noise. <laughs> You're right. I mean, or or just screaming that there's a fire. <laughs> <laughs> like anything to make the lives of people who enjoy looking at ads a little bit worse. I guess I've got a lot to learn here. Like um, I should be bringing in props. You bringing bringing in a boombox. Bringing in like <laughs> wild leopards. <laughs> just a cage full of doves. Famously. They always announce that leopards are not allowed, you know, to begin in the <laughs> yeah. movie. Well, they're gonna. They're gonna start doing that after you start. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you could do? This would be, if you want to, like, not be perceived as an asshole, but you still want to subvert the trailers, you could play, like, uh, like on your phone to, like, have a soundboard of a baby crying. <laughs> it's like, there you go. It's like, oh, sorry, I'm trying to calm my baby down, but... He's not going to calm down until the trailers are – he hates trailers. <laughs> mm-hmm. He hates advertising. Yeah, as all babies do. My my kid, like <laughs> – I remember this vividly. Like he first – when he first, first learned to watch things, uh, the first thing he watched was like – the first kind of thing was like um, children's music music videos on YouTube. And mm-hmm. I, I remember he was watching this really horrifying rendition of Old MacDonald Had a Farm – and then, like, when the song was done, an ad played, and he yelled, no, and threw the phone on the ground. <laughs> yes. Just, that's my boy. Yes. Uh, and now he just says, got ads, and tries to push the skip ad button. <laughs> Does that work in movie theaters? We could try it. Everybody yelled, got ads, at the projectionist. <laughs> God, if everybody does it together. No, I think that's great. <laughs> but that's interesting. The ad was was at the end of the video, like like a trailer should be, right? Uh-huh, yeah. It's not enough to redeem it. Yeah, I, I think when you upload the v- video, you can, like, choose where to put the ad. Really? Like, I, I know this because, like, you know, if you, if you like, watch uh, a video of, of an album, the plaids only play between the songs usually. You can see in the scrub bar, if you don't have ad block installed, the little yellow marks that indicate like an ad might play here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always play when they hit the yellow mark. It's like, cause it's, it's like the opposite of, uh, of pushing the lever to get your stochastic reward. <laughs> stochastic punishment. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, I, I think it's just because like YouTube feels bad and they're like, okay, you've seen enough of these. You can skip this one. <laughs> I really, I really, uh, Appreciate training your kids from a young age uh, what to do when they see an ad. Oh, I didn't I even it's... have to tell him to throw the phone on the floor. He just <laughs> he did that instinctively. You didn't give him a treat afterwards. <laughs> That's a primal instinct. Yeah, yeah. No, this is the natural. The natural. Everybody should have this reaction to ads. 
And the fact that we don't is is telling of our society. <laughs> My son plays these mobile games sometimes, unfortunately. <laughs> and they I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's ads where there's a game in the ad. It doesn't oh, yeah. it's, oh, yeah, it's yeah. not it doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Why is this a thing? And so it's like it's designed for children, probably. It's just like the equivalent of the lucky surprise egg thing. I've never either played those games or clicked on the ad to find out where they go. But what I have heard is that those games do not have anything to do with the game that the game that the game is advertising. Yeah. They're, oh my gosh. They they just use like one of three genres of like oh yeah these these advertising games have have uh, advert they they tested best. Uh, so we'll use one of these three types of advertising games to to advertise our fucking like 4x like <laughs> it's weird it's super weird i like i really wonder like how these things came to exist because like it's it's completely unrelated to the actual game that they're advertising so like who is th- who is this ad for like what is the goal here people are going to download it and it's not going to be anything like like the ad they saw well my son sure likes playing them but he never clicks and downloads the the app Right. Because we have the phone locked down enough that he like, can't do that, but <laughs> he sure has a lot of fun with the ad. Oh, man. How, how old is your kid? Well, now he's like nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's nothing to be done then. It's too late. Yeah. But we have, <laughs> I, mean, I do feel like we've done like a a pretty good job with the teaching kids like, don't watch the ads, don't watch the ads. I mean, I thought we did at least, but then they put games in the ads and now- Yeah, now it's fun. <laughs> now my son cannot resist the ads. This is what fucking drives me up the wall. Some some ads are actually really entertaining and I'm like, no, stop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Playing a game in an ad, it reminds me of like going to a, like an arcade or something and like not putting money in the arcade machine, but just oh. like playing on the demo screen. Yeah. Or pretending like you're controlling. Oh, yeah, or the- pretending like you are, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took- so, Like grabbing the steering wheel and like- <laughs> I took Winston to the arcade recently. He's four years old and it was one of those like Dave and Buster's arcades that's mostly redemption machines. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we spent like half an hour spending like $20 on the various games and he enjoyed it, but I think he enjoyed even more just like- because he didn't fucking he he can't like aim the gun in in like light gun games he he and and I was trying to teach him how to do it but the game is over so quick there wasn't even really time to mm-hmm. uh, but he loved holding the gun and watching the attract mode <laughs> mm-hmm. like and he spent like a good half an hour like running back and forth between uh, Space Invaders Frenzy and Dread I think it was Dead Storm Pirates. Depending on which attract mode was more exciting at the time. <laughs> Are you talking about that super huge Space Invaders game that's like a really, really tall yeah, screen? Yeah, yeah. It's made a- up of L- LEDs. And, yes, and, yes. And it, it's a light gun game. Yeah. Yeah, that thing is like sensory overload. I don't – that game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's extremely loud. <laughs> uh, he said that of the, of the like the bassy rumble – mush that was coming from that cabinet he said what did he say he said something like this is the space alien busting song <laughs> i love it very good are we uh are we ready for another topic sure yeah uh, my topic is moon mode on your phone camera is probably just pasting a good picture of the moon over your bad one mm-hmm. did see that article yeah is, you, you know about this phenomenon i i heard i didn't read the article i kind of heard about it tangentially yeah 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 Apparently, like, moon mode is a thing in lots of different 
phone cameras where they use they purportedly use AI to improve your photo of the moon specifically. And this article is detailing like things that they did to make it so that the AI should not have been able to like improve the details of the moon uh, before sending it through the filter and it and it fi- and, and it always came out perfect. So like in one of them they like drew new mountains on the moon and it just was just like it just came out as the regular moon. So they had to go all the way to the moon, draw new mountains on it, then go back to it and take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's real commitment to the bit. <laughs> and this was like at you, you know how hard it is to get paid as a journalist these days. Like it was uh it was expensive for them to do this too. College <laughs> <laughs> journalist salary. Mark. I think it's an interesting like topic because you know, we know what the moon looks like. There have been very good pictures of the moon. Yeah, taken. it's the same moon every time. Wh- right. What happens if you do it in Australia? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. I don't think they tried that. Does it work? <laughs> that would be the true yeah, test. Yeah, they went to the moon to draw new mountains, but they didn't go to Australia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I wonder is like, can it handle an eclipse? Mm. Like, what if you're actually trying to document like how this eclipse is unique? You can't do it because it's it's just here's the here's the moon again. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I imagine how it would work is it kind of pattern matches what it sees against what it knows and fills in the details based on you know the data it has so if the eclipse picture looks different than any kind of data it has in its model then it's not going to be able to fill in those extra details well it depends how how hard it's trying like according to this the gaussian blurred the moon to the point where there almost no details were visible uh and it still just looked like the moon in the out uh, in the Mm -hmm. output yeah i mean it's a pretty good trick it's a pretty good idea like (laughs) It's what's one thing that, you know, we already know what it looks like and it, and it's not going to be able to look any different and we can make you think. And it's also really like no, notoriously hard to photograph. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If they could do this for like every mountain too, that would be amazing. <laughs> like, I don't know, have you ever tried to photograph a mountain? Like, it's the same thing where it like it looks like this, this thing looms over the entire landscape right. where like it looks – incredibly huge when you're there and then you take a photo of it and it's just like oh yeah here's a triangle mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah things that are like big and far away they never seem to work especially on a little phone camera I guess. right right and i've seen you know people take photos of mountains and made them look big but i bet they did that using tricks that would make anything look big like i bet they're not actually capturing the actual bigness of the mountain they're just like if they they could apply the that same bigness to like their iced tea mm-hmm. <laughs> the iced tea would seem enormous <laughs> yeah but why stop at like natural features you know i have lots of good pictures of my wife if i take a bad picture of my wife why can't ai fix it well it can now It'll make her look like the moon. You see, yeah. just <laughs> run some, you, yeah. You it'll make her look like some other wife. Yeah. We already know what wives look like. It's right. right. There's just the one. I I, I actually saw um, someone linked to a Twitter thread of like people. So there, there's a a filter on. I guess it's on TikTok. Probably it it turns your face into like what you looked like as a teenager. Uh-huh. The thread was like reaction videos of people just being devastated by this filter like talking about how much they miss looking like this oh like devastated by how accurate it was and and by how and by how like well it 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 made them more cognizant of their age i guess Mm. there's a lot of directions this conversation could go in but like one of them is is this good for people like are they getting 
value out of this filter or is just making them miserable? Don't people already know what they looked like when they were a teenager? <laughs> I mean, presumably they have pictures of themselves when they were teenagers that they could go look at if they wanted to feel sad. Yeah, maybe right? the thread. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the thread was all people who like didn't have any photos of themselves as a teenager. <laughs> so it's giving these people a way to feel sad in a way that most people have, but they don't. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like it's not presented to them in a way that the selfie can't, selfie mode usually is. They should just rename it. Uh, instead of this is what it was when you were a teenager, this would this is what you would look like if you uh, were young and attractive. If you were still attractive, yeah. <laughs> it's just a marketing problem. Yeah, very yeah. sad. But, you know, once we get to the glorious future where everyone's got, you know, augmented reality, then uh, we can all look like that if everyone else is using the right filters. That's right, yeah. Uh, unless unless there's like some prankster who doesn't have their filter turned on and then there's <laughs> – they're seeing everybody. Oh, wow, everyone's so I, ugly. Yeah, I mean, but why do that? Why not? Why wouldn't you want to go around looking at a bunch of attractive people? It'd be pretty distracting. That's true. Yeah, but mm. maybe it would be more fun to go around looking at a bunch of people who are like augmented to look even uglier. <laughs> Make you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Uh, Just getting into like dark or black mirror territory. Right. <laughs> I just want... A filter that makes the moon look even worse in my photos. <laughs> mm-hmm. To make you feel good about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm i definitely more attractive than this moon. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst bunny in the moon. <laughs> a bunny in my face is way better. Just make sure all the pictures of you have, like, the moon in the background so you look good by comparison. <laughs> yeah yeah that's my that's gonna be my strategy on on whatever dating site replaces okay cupid <laughs> <laughs> nothing will ever replace okay cupid oh man something already has i don't even know what it is thank <laughs> god i'm not dating anymore what a what a nightmare <laughs> are we uh are we ready for another topic sure for this topic we're gonna we're gonna be reading the poem the orange by wendy cope i can read the poem at lunchtime i bought a huge orange the size of it made us all laugh I peeled it and shared it with Robert and Dave. They got quarters and I had a half. And that orange, it made me so happy, as ordinary things often do. Just lately, the shopping, a walk in a park. This is peace and contentment. It's new. The rest of the day was quite easy. I did all the jobs on my list, and I enjoyed them and had some time over. I love you. I'm glad I exist. So this is like one of the happiest, most satisfied poems we've ever done. And it's also... So like it's it's also it also rhymes is actually what I'm getting at, <laughs> which is not the norm actually in the most of the poems we've done. Most of them have been a lot more like I don't know r- rhyming is uh, I'm using that as like a stand-in for all sorts of things that poems can do to make things less pretty and more difficult to understand. Mm-hmm. I like when poems rhyme. This is a good poem. It's satisfying, right? I kind of in the same way that like there's that feeling of satisfaction in the poem. Like the feeling of satisfaction from the rhyme is also is also there. Yeah, yeah. But but also there's a feeling like my feeling is that these rhymes are a little too easy. Mm. But the, the the simplicity of it, I think, it fits. It 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 feels honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe that's kind of the point is that like. You can get satisfaction from simple things. Yeah. So even if the rhymes are easy, they're still satisfying and they still are good. Yeah. Wow. It's internal meta consistency with the poem. Yeah, I, I like that poem a lot. Like it's one of the ones that I return to because it's just it's just such a feel good, such a feel good poem. I'm glad you exist too, Wendy Cope. <laughs> <laughs> 
Actually, I'm 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 searching Wendy Cup to make sure Wendy Cup still exists. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good question. I don't actually know. Wikipedia page says is we're good. Oh, good. Okay. Age, <laughs> age seventy-seven. Okay. Oof. All right. It's all the oranges. Yeah, the enormous, hilarious oranges. <laughs> I love that idea, though, of just like laughing at something like the size of an orange. Yeah, yeah. Very, one of the an extremely simple pleasure. Mm-hmm. I lost the I lost the palm tab. I'm looking at food pairings again. Oh no, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> this will consume you. So this is also like seemingly about a new relationship or or it's directed at a lover maybe and this person is newly happy for some reason. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of though, yeah, that yeah. like the I love you, I never thought of that as directed to a lover necessarily, but just, you know, a, a, a love of your fellow man. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, that does seem like a pretty good interpretation. You know, it's new. I love you. Yeah, that that could be the new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always kind of thought of it as like, you know, getting past a more negative part in your life where you're, you know, feeling other, you know, less positive feelings, or maybe you're coming out of a depression or something like that. And suddenly you have this, this feelings of contentment and, and happiness. And yeah, it's new. Yeah, I think I think that means that it's good art. I mean, <laughs> multiple interpretations. Yeah, I think we've got some good art here, you guys. I'm, yeah. I'm reading the uh, the comments now. This person says, I love this poem and the font crying face. You know what? I did notice the font. <laughs> and it is a nice font. It is nice. And I wonder, is it, wait, is that part of the poem? <laughs> like, it is totally a thing for for poetry to, like, sometimes it's in a weird shape, you know? Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Sure, sure. Sometimes you don't understand a poem unless you read it in the original Helvetica or whatever. Right. Sometimes it doesn't make sense <laughs> unless it's in a monospaced font. We did one of those. One One of the conceits was that it was... In a rectangle, basically. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to know what this font is. Maybe it's called like Times New Orange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a long time since I've been able to hit view source and then immediately know what to look for to find what font is being used. Borgia, re- bro- uh, Borgia Pro Regular, I think. How do you spell that? <laughs> Borgia, like B O R, like like Georgia, but okay. Pro regular, it's one word. <laughs> you know how some people have like perfect pitch to be able to hear what tone like a, a note is. I wonder if there are people who can like identify a font on site. Perfect font. Perfect font. There's gotta be. <laughs> there's gotta be like a Shazam for fonts. Yeah, there's gotta be. My wife has an app that I I, I wish I remember the name of it, but it's like a Shazam for bird song, which is does it work? Amazing. Whoa. Apparently, it does. Wow. Uh, cool. And that, that was a tweet that I, a joke that I tweeted years ago was that there should be a Shazam for Birdsong. And uh, I, I bet there even was at the time, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm looking at Borgia Pro on various font downloading sites and yeah, it's a pretty good font. Yeah. Shout out to Borgia Pro. <laughs> it made our poem reading experience even better. Are we uh, Are we ready for... We're really ripping through these topics. We might actually get to all seven. Oh, my God. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Sure. Andrew, your topic is learning Italian from a cartoon dog. Speaking of oranges and being uh, happy at ordinary things, that's actually a really good segue. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know how you knew this, but <laughs> <laughs> if you ever are learning Italian, I have a very good piece of advice. There's a, there's a show 
and slash a series of, of, of comics that I guess originated in the 70s called Pimpa. Uh, and it's this, it's this cartoon dog and she is like – she has an owner but it's kind of more like her dad or something. It's kind of more like she's a little girl. It's it's uh it's not quite clear uh, like exactly what the relationship is, but basically each kind of episode or each little comic, she she wakes up and kind of just like wanders around and then like decides I'm gonna like go to Egypt today or something, and she hops in a plane, flies to flies to Egypt. For example, or or maybe you know jumps on a cloud, something like that. The cloud has a face, starts talking to her. This is this is like basically a show where you you have no idea what's gonna happen. <laughs> Everything can talk. The whole world is like alive. It's like super magical. It actually has kind of a <laughs> it's a kind of a similar you know vibe uh, as as the poem we just read, um, where except except it's you know kind of more surreal or whatever. Um, I, I randomly found this show on um I think it was on Rai Play, which is a, like the Italian government uh TV. Then you can just watch it if you have a VPN, pretend like you're in Italy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um and I was like, I don't know what this is, but uh like this was this was a little while ago. I was like, I I'll just try watching like a, a kid's show because I'm not very good at Italian yet. And so I just started watching this and I was just like Utterly amazed at the weirdness of the show, but also it's like really funny and it's it almost seems like some weird show that somebody would somebody would make to be like surreal on purpose, but it's clearly just for kids. It's it's not like it's not for adults. It's it's very strange. And and I would recommend watching it even if don't understand what they're saying because my kids have been watching with me sometimes and they enjoy watching it and they can't understand what anyone's saying. <laughs> and sometimes I'll translate some things for them, but so does, does understanding the Italian make it more surreal or less? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, the it is really funny to hear the way that people the way like the kind of the the really small plots like the episodes are like five minutes long. It's they're like so simple. Like she just decides to do something. Or just like finds some Armando's old hat in the attic and like puts it on and like the hat she like says, "Hey hat, are you like are you protecting me from the sun?" And like the hat talks to her like, "No, it's cloudy today. What are you talking about? I can't, I can't protect you from the sun." And so she talks to the clouds. Hey clouds, can you like get out of the way? I'm trying to use this hat. I gotta like I gotta experience all this hat has to offer. You know what this but sounds the- like to me. This sounds like they were given like a list of vocabulary words and they had to like use that as a constraint to like build an episode around and that's why like Oh, interesting. It does kind of sound like that. Yeah, that's like my 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 family like often has uh magnetic poetry on the fridge. Mhm. And working within that constraint, it produces some delightful nonsense. I do feel like Having uh, extreme constraints does does help yes. produce like unexpected weirdness a lot of the time. Certainly, it help, it produces unexpected weirdness, but like more readily than it does sensible storylines. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, you're basically talking about uh, Pico Eight. <laughs> yeah. that's my experience with Pico Eight. That is an interesting interpretation <laughs> because it is made for kids, but I also feel like it's it's from an earlier era. Yeah, from it's from like the seventies. It's from like if you've ever seen the old Sesame Streets, where it's very, 
very much not methodical. They're just kind of putting up some silly stuff that they think kids might like. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It kind of has that feel where it doesn't feel for like it's formulated to be educational or anything like that. Yeah. It's just like, here's some weird thing. Kids will think this is funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's actually like it almost it almost like expands your mind. It does things that you wouldn't have thought were possible. It actually <laughs> kind of blows my mind watching the show. It's like, what? <laughs> How like the, the it's like stuff I would have never thought of. I'm I'm bored and there's uh, I want someone to play with and there's a photocopier and the photocopier is like, oh, you should just like photocopy yourself and then then the, like a black and white version of the dog comes out <laughs> of Pimpa comes out <laughs> and they start playing together and it's uh, I don't there's just so many weird bizarre things. All right, I think I think I have a new theory. Yeah, drugs. <laughs> in, in in Italy, um, they do give. Um, some drugs to kids from an earlier age <laughs> than they do here, you know. In the <laughs> is this are you are you is this a joke or are you actually talking about it? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, they are more. They do give more. Um, they'll give like wine to to kids. Right? Oh, sure, yeah, a, lo sure, a yeah. lot more liberally. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's mostly just uh, being facetious. But um, that would be that would be a very good explanation. <laughs> <laughs> this this Altan guy that made these the the weird thing is the, the 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 guy that made the books originally back in the seventies he made them like for his daughter or something originally and then they've continued like they've continually made some different cartoon series on the Italian TV thing and like the the most recent one is actually from only a few years ago so it's like this weird. Like who knows who's actually making these now? <laughs> oh, so they've been um, making these for like what, like fifty years or something? Right. Yeah. Like they've. It's kind of like a an intellectual property that's just kept going has been popular enough to like last. So for... even if they were given a bunch of drugs as kids, like now they're old, <laughs> right. and giving them the drugs right. isn't nearly as <laughs> isn't nearly as edgy. <laughs> Well, so there's this thing, right, where sometimes for like these long running properties, you know, they'll kind of age it up as they go, like they'll age it, uh, the content <laughs> along with the audience. That's not, that hasn't happened here. It's not like people no, for, no. for adults now. Pimpa is is perpetually a very little uh, girl, but a dog. <laughs> yeah, there was no like Pimpa for edgy teens, you know, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Pimpa for edgy teens, where she starts wearing a spiked collar. No, not that I'm aware of, not that I'm aware of, but I haven't... Um... I haven't watched all the seasons, uh, but I have watched the most recent season. So, I mean, they could. this could be like a prequel situation. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gritty reboot. <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. Like, I think that using, like, either comics or TV shows as a way to learn a language is really, really neat. One of the frustrations that I've seen is that sometimes, you know, you'll want to watch a show that has subtitles, um, but put it in a different language so that you can read the subtitles, but you can like listen to the audio and and try and learn that language but sometimes they they don't match up and it's like yes it drives me crazy yes it is very annoying uh the subtitles with with pimpa are actually pretty good but but yeah again the the advantage is there's not a ton of dialogue in it um and it's pretty simple so i don't even need the subtitles a lot of the time so it's it's nice and of course the comics uh, have you know baked in subtitles? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> By nature of being comic, you, you said you stream this using a VPN or what? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm able to access Rai Play um, 
uh, in America because um, using a VPN to pretend like I'm in Milan. And I'm also able to watch like the, the Netflix stuff that's in Italy. Um, and uh, I'm able to watch like there's, there's, there's so much, there's such cool stuff on, on Rai play. It's like this old, there's this old uh, like variety show uh, called Buonasera Raffaella. Like, it, from like the eighties, and it's really, really, <laughs> it's it almost is in a similar category as people where it's kind of an old thing that can get really bizarre feeling at times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with like because the, they have these musical numbers, well, they have that is the parts that feel really, really, really dated sometimes. Um, like they had uh, what was that Andrew Lloyd Webber musical with the roller skates, <sighs> Starlight Express. Oh, I don't. I don't know <laughs> <Yeah>. that one. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people do. I didn't know it before I saw it. And I don't. Like it was there. They've like all of a sudden in the they'll have they're doing like an interview with a with a with an Italian politician, and then they'll have like a a thing where a phone a phone in kind of game where people phone in and try to guess the silly phrase, and then they'll do uh, randomly. Now you'll see like a. a uh, a heavily produced like sequence of of shots with people rollerblading and like crazy lights and music, and they're wearing like these weird futuristic costumes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then and then all of a sudden, at some point, Raffaello will come out and start dancing. Um, the host uh, and and you're like, yes, this is actually still the same show. I didn't like accidentally put on something else. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's, uh, this sounds very much like the same team that adapted. Cats needs to do this one next. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think they really do. And then there's like this recurring this recurring musical group that is a bunch of young boys all doing these uh dances and uh, like the most embarrassing type of <laughs> dances <laughs> um wearing like country and western looking outfits or it's very <laughs> again very very dated and and fun to watch in ways that are maybe not intended. But, but, you know, I've learned – I believe that, like, the, the, the best way to learn a language is to have lots of fun with it. Sure. Yeah. I think there's been some, like, research saying that, like, yeah, that's a thing. Like, if you if you have positive, fun experiences with it, you're having fun, you'll you'll learn a lot easier. I mean, yeah. that's probably too for learning, like, anything, right? Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. Exactly. Your 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 brain is uh, at ease, and, but of course, the other the other way your brain really learns is, is things that are incredibly terrifying and uh, dangerous. So. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should be you know reading Pimpa comics uh, while skydiving or yeah, <laughs> maximize I, the learning. I bet it would be effective <laughs> if you could concentrate. That would be the hard part. <laughs> right? Yeah, you have to go skydiving often enough that you're bored of it, and then you can read the comics. <laughs> Yeah, but not too bored that it's not dangerous anymore. Right. Yeah, yes. it's still got to feel thrilling. Yeah. Maybe someone can like scream the plot at you. Your your tandem skydiver <laughs> can scream the plot at you while you're skydiving. And they can focus because they're bored because they've done this a thousand times. Yeah, there's got to be like a – you can hire somebody on Fiverr to go skydiving with you. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, could, it could also be like a, a conversation partner like – Someone who speaks Italian fluently, they they can give you lessons or just have conversations <laughs> with you while falling from a plane. This would be a fantastic service. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Funnily enough, there's actually an app called Tandem <laughs> where that is about like having conversations with um, 
people in a different language <laughs> and kind of teaching each other your own native language to each other. Oh, that's but actually no, skydiving. That's really neat. Yeah, it's actually really fun. But there's no skydiving involved, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can – I mean, can you get Wi-Fi up there? <laughs> See, that's why trains uh, trains are, are, are more convenient because there's, there's easier Wi-Fi. Yeah, you're going about as fast. Yeah, you got to figure out how to do skydiving with a train. Right. You so yeah, the train goes straight down. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you if you if you do some kind of a, a what a, a a parasailing kind of situation where you're on the back, the train is pulling you fast enough with a parachute. You know that'd be pretty pretty thrilling. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be terrifying. What if the train <laughs> goes through a tunnel? <laughs> Just, I mean, you'll you'll learn much better. You know. Yeah, yeah. You need you. The only phrase you would learn in Italian is is the train about to go through a tunnel. <laughs> and you just ask it over and over again. What more do you need to know? In that situation, that's that's the most important thing for sure. <laughs> yeah. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Alex, your topic is being able to identify McElroy fans or McElroy fans uh, by how they compliment my woodworking. That is a good question. Actually, I do not know how to pronounce that name. I have been saying McElroy, but that could be wrong. I, I think I've heard that one more often. Like the McElroy brothers? Yeah. Yeah, they say McElroy, right? They have a podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. I don't Are you to familiar it. with them in with in not not the podcast? No, well, I I'll tell you why I'm familiar okay, with them. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> So I started doing woodworking a few years ago, which has been a fantastic hobby. But one of the McElroy brothers also started woodworking at about the same time, I believe. And actually took the same online woodworking course that I took. So that's that's kind of an interesting coincidence. But uh, he put out a video at some point, you know, talking about uh, his woodworking and, you know, uh, all the stuff he learned while it. And one of the things he said in this video is that if you are complimenting a woodworker, you should never compliment how like beautiful their piece is because that's just about, you know, the, the wood that they have no control over, right? They just bought the wood. It's not about the design because they probably didn't design it themselves. They're probably following plans. What you should do is you should compliment how clean it is because that speaks to like the execution. Oh, yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. But like at some point, all of a sudden, I just started getting all these compliments about how clean all my furniture was. Like, and I was like, where, where is this coming from? Like, why, why is everyone telling me how clean my furniture is? Super weird until I found out about that video. Did it start like after that video came out? Yeah, right. So like clearly, you know, a lot of people are, are fans of the McElroy's wow. and like watched this video. And uh, yeah, all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, those are so clean. You did such a clean job there. McElroy got the pull in the woodworking community. Yeah, clearly. Do you miss being complimented on your choice of wood? I do. I miss getting other compliments <laughs> other than cleanliness. <laughs> now, but it's so interesting to like see how like that information propagates and be able to identify mm. like, oh, I know, I know why you're saying that. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Have you tried saying that to somebody? If I tried saying like that something is clean? No, I mean if someone if someone complimented you by saying it's clean, and then you've said, oh, I see, you've watched this McElroy video. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every time they're like, yeah. Okay, okay. They admit to it. They admit to <laughs> yeah. it. That's very funny. I like that a lot. God, how many views does that video have? Do you, do you know the name of it? <laughs> you must have. I don't. I I would have to go looking. I haven't watched. I, I did watch the video after I heard about it, but. All right. So I found a video called How to Fake an Interest in Woodworking. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yep, that's it. Oh, so these are not real woodworking people. Well, I think the McElroy, I don't, I don't know which McElroy it was, but I, I think he's like 
legit, you know, into woodworking. But the people who are watching the the video, clearly they just want to know how to fake it, right? Right. They want to know how to give me a good compliment. And so they all just call my woodworking clean. I thought you were saying these are like real woodworking people. But clearly they're not. I mean, oh yeah, no, no. (laughs) You know, these are my these are my friends or or, you know people who like see what my work is. Yeah, yeah. They want to know how Justin McElroy would compliment them. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I mean, they're so influential and so popular. Like, I wonder what other through lines they have into popular culture. Like, how else can you identify McElroy fans based on how people talk? There's a big bottle. So I'm I have this video on. I can't hear it because I'm listening to you guys instead. Sorry. <laughs> it's it's I, I I I've made my choice and I'm happy with it. There's this big bottle of it's probably like wood glue in the corner of the screen, but the color the color coding on it is like it looks just like a bottle of mayonnaise. Like it's the wrong <laughs> shape, but it's the right colors for like a bottle of uh of best foods mayonnaise. Oh. And it's just like now I want some deviled eggs. <laughs> Yes. I mean, wood glue is the mayonnaise of the woodworking world, so. Is, <laughs> see, and if someone complimented you by saying that, that, w- that would be original and interesting. Right. So this video is 20 minutes long. Was that, that was their only takeaway is the word clean. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Was it like in the first minute of the video? No, it's like, I think it's towards the end. Like, I, I think, you know, for the majority of it, he's talking about, you know, his own journey through woodworking. And then that's kind of like the, the takeaway at the end is, okay, and now you want to learn how to compliment a woodworker? Here's the one word you need to know. Yeah. So this video only has 260,000 views. And every single one of those people has gone on to compliment you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Sure. My topic is R.I.P. the list of video games considered artistic. Uh, did either of you see this Wikipedia article when it was up? No. Doesn't look familiar. This was one of those like articles. It was created by on Wikipedia clearly by someone who was desperate to like to argue for games as art. Like that's still a thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, li- a huge list of like, Here's all the games that anyone's ever called artistic with citations to like reviews and shit. Like one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, but then it got deleted and now I miss it and I want it back. I'm, I'm sad that this is, this is gone from my life. The fact that it's gone means Roger Ebert won. <laughs> That's right. So did it's it get really deleted tragedy. recently? The deletion log... I was able to look at like the discussion. Was it February February eleventh, twenty twenty three? Is that the day? That's that sounds right. What are you looking at? In the red box on the this page is on existence deletion protection and move log for the page provided below for reference. Twenty twenty three February eleventh. Somebody oh this user deleted page. Yeah, that's when they deleted it. Okay. Or is this new? There's now a page called Video Games as an Art Form, Philosophical Debate on the Creative Qualia of Electronic Structured Play. What? Yeah. So fancy. Yeah, they pulled out the word qualia. (laughs) Uh, Roger Ebert has a subheading. Oh. Uh (laughs) Okay, this is the, I mean. Played right into his hand. Yeah. this, This looks like, this looks like it's a lot more defensible as a, as a Wikipedia article. Like as like why would why you would have an article like this because people like it, it, there is a debate that people care or at least cared about, uh, but it's still terrible. 
Ooh, list of list of zombie video games. Here we go. That's the good <laughs> shit. <laughs> this is some, you know, classic classic Wikipedia article category. Li- you know, lists, Beast, lots of lists. Beastbusters for the Amiga. Uh, it's it lists it's listing the zombie mode of all the Call of Duty games. Do you think that, <laughs> I don't know if that counts? <laughs> wow, we're really trying to pad out this article. I mean, you got to fill out the list somehow, right? That's right. <laughs> Otherwise, there would be it wouldn't be any zombie games in there at all. <laughs> <laughs> zombie Island of Doctor Ned. So does that include philosophical zombies? <laughs> We're already talking about qualia, so why not? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could remember the name of – I saw when I was like – I don't know. I feel like I have to justify my existence now. I was visiting Lake Tahoe like as a tourist. And one on one side of Lake Tahoe, I think it's is, is, is Reno, Nevada. I think it's Reno. And so I walked through a casino because I was like, well – I don't want to actually gamble, but I could look. Mm-hmm, sure. Uh, and one of the things I saw was like, it looked like it was half slot machine, half zombie shooting video game. What? It it was weird. It was like, <laughs> clearly, I feel like casinos, like young people don't like that shit. So they're trying to figure out like, how do we appeal to the kind of the, the kids these days who like video games instead, you know? Did it have an attract mode? It sure did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like an endless runner zombie shooting slot machine or something. And what? I wish I could remember the name of this both so that I could search for it and, and like tell you more accurate things about it. And also like this definitely belongs in this list. Sure. <laughs> Is the button for jump the same as the button to, to the lever to spin the, the reels? <laughs> didn't play the game. I don't know. Because <laughs> that would, you know, that'd be a pretty pretty good way to trick people into just you know keep going yeah you gotta jump time pressure oh or just you know jiggle jiggle the handle and like play it in attract mode yeah jiggle the handle and the door won't open that okay list of zombie video games includes voodoo kid a game based on voodoo culture which is the other kind of zombie it's a completely different kind of zombie does that count i feel like that should be a separate list what kind of zombie so voodoo this was a this was a, this was a topic a while ago where um uh one of the lords was positing that George Romero invented the modern the modern zombie based on the film The Birds where the concept of zombies that you would fear is you would be you would fear being turned into a zombie meaning you were like enslaved and you were you were bound to the person who enslaved you and you're bound to do their bidding and that's what being a zombie is uh, the zombie that is like a a predator and and is contagious. That's something that, as far as we could tell, was invented with Night of the Living Dead. Oh, really? That was the argument that Shannon was making, and it seemed plausible to me. Um, there might be another uh, precedent for it, but like the precedent that she found was the movie The Birds, which basically is a zombie movie except with birds instead of zombies. Hmm. Uh, but this game, Voodoo Kid, looks like it's it's about the other kind of zombie. The more is it about being enslaved? Yeah, yeah, interesting. Huh. I've heard the word like thrall used for that. I've never heard like that is like the original concept of a zombie before. That's interesting. I may be mischaracterizing it, but so in Monkey Island Two, LeChuck, what kind is he? Because um, 
because there is voodoo involved at one point. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, I, I think that was just taking the taking the tropes or the themes um, and reuse repurposing them. Yeah, I mean, but on the other hand, like he is bound to like the voodoo doll or whatever, right? You can like control him that way. So you know, it is kind of like the the voodoo aspect. Yeah, they managed to unite all the zombie kind in this one this one figure. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's like demon spawn LeChuck later. Yeah. Right. Oh, according to this, Night of the Living Dead was partly inspired by I Am Legend, which tracks. I don't know that. It, uh, it was a movie. Richard Matheson novel, um, which was turned into a oh, Will no. Smith movie recently. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why. That sounds familiar. Not, not, not that recently. <laughs> it's a post-apocalyptic vampire fiction. So like in, in, that, in that short story, it's um, vampires and not zombies, but like- it's a similar situation where, like, civilization has collapsed and you're trying to survive. Like, the protagonist is trying to survive and find a cure. All right, so what's your favorite artistic video game? Yeah, I don't have one either. Artistic video game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, hear, I hear it's Bioshock. I, isn't, isn't everybody's favorite <laughs> oh, yes, Bioshock? Bioshock? Bioshock, yeah, 3 or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you ever played Hohokam? I did play that one. I feel like that's a pretty. You could make a pretty strong argument um, if you're gonna if you're gonna go looking for proof texts. <laughs> I, I haven't played uh, Hohokam. What what makes it artistic? I think it was whoever made it is like more of a designer. They it's not even it doesn't even feel like a video game in some ways. Although it's very interactive and you're like this snake kind of going around, but it's there's a lot of animation and colors and it's kind of these little. It's almost like an adventure game. In a way, there's like these little puzzles, but it's all revolved revolves around like this this snake type of creature that you're controlling, and it's going around in two D. Uh, um, I think you can. It's been a long time since I. I think can you like speed up and slow down or something? Um, and it's there's all these different areas, and they're super like it's it's almost like um, it's like vector art kind of looking, um, really kind of crisp two uh, D with all these different areas. You go in like a circle in there in a different area and it's totally different style. There's different music um, and kind of just seeing. Yeah, I didn't find any sort of ending, but I did get the impression that a lot of the fun of that game is just like gliding your creature through all the weird places and listening to the music. Yeah, I th I feel like I did some like finish it. I think I, I, think I did because there was like a bunch of snakes that you're trying to find. Um and they each have different names or something. And you, if you figure out like a puzzle and a level, then it does this cool animation sequence. Once you've solved it, it's just like a series of things you have to do. I don't know, break all of these pottery things, and then and then it causes this other person in the level to get upset or something, and then they throw some I don't know some kind of chain reaction, and then and then this new snake or whatever it is comes out and it does this little animation and says the snake's name, and and then it's like there's an overworld and. It adds that snake to the overworld, and I think once you've gotten all of them, something happens. Art, huh. art happens. Art happens. That's what it is. <laughs> Video games really have it out for pottery, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is true. If there's an article about video games as an art form, shouldn't there be like an article about you know? Food as an art form or uh, movies as an art form. Mo <laughs> movies as an art form. Just like. Did you. 
paint Did paintings you see... as an art form. This was a thing. List, li- <laughs> list of paintings considered artistic. <laughs> list of cartoon dogs. There was this thing that happened on Twitter, I don't know, a year ago, maybe two years ago, where someone was tw- – like it was a tweet thread about like the worst restaurant experience they had. And it was just like some – you know, one of those restaurants that's serving like really off the wall – like I forgot the word for it, but like you know, you, they they come up to your your table with like a spray bottle and they spray a bunch of silly <laughs> string on on your plate, but the silly string tastes like salmon or something like that, you know? <laughs> what? Like g- gimmick food that is as gimmick, much gimmick about food. the experience of like being served a weird fucking thing, and like oh, I, I think w- one of the examples I saw was that like there's a. There was a cocktail served in an ice cube, but the ice cube was carved such that when you use the straw to drink the cocktail out of it, it makes a farting noise and everybody looks at you. Like <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's just part of the experience. You're paying – this is why you're paying $500 a person. <laughs> anyway, uh, this was a tweet thread about like the worst one of these. And the person oh. who ran the restaurant like wrote – like a, a multi-page response that was what? mostly like explaining the concept of art to this person. <laughs> like this oh. is this is what art is, and there's like a there's like a there's, there was like a picture of like a sketch of a horse, and like this is a pretty good sketch of a horse, <laughs> and a lot of people can do this. And then there's like a painting of a horse that's like really masterful, and it's like not many people can do this, but. People like us find this boring because we've seen it so much. <laughs> and then there's like a picture of like a Picasso horse and like, this is what we're trying to do with our food. At so Anyway, yes, people think food is art. That's the answer. <laughs> it, this reminds me of the, the subreddit, um, We Want Plates, where it's people posting pictures of like, or videos of they'll they'll like serve you something, but they'll just say put your hands out and then pour pour it out into your hands and make you lick your own hands off. This sounds like part of the experience, and that's all the time we have for topic lords. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? My Neo Cities page, you know, Kitten Master, spelled uh, with with a with a four. Instead of an A, dot neocities.org. And Alex, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, AlexGoGraphic, or you can follow me on twitch.tv slash games. Great. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!